Happy Hump Day. It is Wednesday, November 23rd, 2022, and this is The Ron Show on the America One Radio app and at AmericaOneRadio.com. Hey, I'm your host, Ron Roberts. Phone lines, 404-913-2725. My email is ron at ronshowatl.com. All our social media links, by the way, at ronshowatl.com, as well as past audio archives if you want to keep up or you're needing something to listen to while you're on the road, balancing all those Tupperware containers full of food to wherever you're doing your Thanksgiving this year. We've got plenty to get into, so let's just get right into it. Uh, let's see, we'll start with some headlines. Uh, Mark Neese at the AJC reporting that the Georgia Supreme Court has decided to uphold Saturday voting in the upcoming Senate runoff. That means Saturday after Thanksgiving. Polls will open in 22 counties across Georgia. And by the way, if you're wondering if your county is one of those and if that's available to you this Saturday, early voting locations, hours as well, locations, etc., available at mvp.sos.ga.gov. All of that. mvp.sos.ga.gov. I'll share that link on our social media so that you have that at your leisure whenever you want to start making your runoff early election plans. Now, all counties are going to have early voting next week, Monday through Friday. That's November 28th through December 2nd. And there are some folks who are even getting to vote today. And in 22 counties, you'll have it available on Saturday. And uh, uh, roughly the same number of counties, maybe a few more, on Sunday as well. 22 counties, which by the way, include Metro Atlanta, Cobb, DeKalb, Fulton, Gwinnett, will open polling places Saturday and Sunday. Again, you can go and find out if your county, if that's not one of yours, is participating by going to mvp.sos.ga.gov. Now, I'm not telling you that this action to extend early voting should be rewarded with a vote, but let's remember, this is only made possible because the Georgia Democratic Party and the Senator Warnock campaign sued to have Saturday voting made available. And by the way, the Republican Senatorial Campaign Committee and the Georgia GOP were among two of the three organizations that voted to block it. Even Eric Erickson, of all people, tweets his disdain for the way the Georgia GOP handled this. He tweeted three hours ago or so, Maybe instead of the Georgia GOP trying to block people from voting on Saturday, they should instead try to win elections. Ouch. Uh, Let's see another court matter today from the Georgia Supreme Court. Maya Prabhu at the AJC reporting that uh, Georgia's 2019 abortion law that restricts the procedure once a doctor can detect fetal cardiac activity, not a heartbeat, but fetal cardiac activity, Anyway, that abortion law will be back in effect during the legal process, according to the state Supreme Court's order today. The ruling was unanimous, with the exception of Justices Nels S.D. Peterson, who was disqualified, and Andrew Pinson, who did not participate. The story goes on to remind us, Fulton Superior Court Judge Robert McBurney last week ordered the state to no longer enforce the 2019 law. The law had been in effect in Georgia since July. Providers spent the past week performing abortions up to about 22 weeks of pregnancy, the state's restriction before the governor signed the 2019 law. Now, understand that does not mean that the Georgia Supreme Court has ruled on the Fulton County judge, Robert McBurney's action. They're just saying until they adjudicate on his action, Georgia's abortion ban from 2019 shall remain in effect. 
Some other headlines, the city of Chesapeake, Virginia, and the state of Virginia now reeling from another mass shooting in that state where an overnight Walmart manager by the name of Andre Bing killed six people and himself last night around 10.15 p.m. last night, less than an hour before the Walmart Supercenter in Chesapeake, Virginia was supposed to close. One eyewitness said, in fact, this was a fellow employee, Kevin Harper said, he came in there and just started spraying. I'm sorry for the victims. The motive behind this shooting still unclear. Over in Colorado Springs, we keep learning more and more about Anderson Lee Aldrich, who, by the way, six years ago had changed his name to distance himself from his former meth head porn star father. And apparently his mother was a real winner, too. Bad parenting can come back to haunt you and countless others, it would appear. Anyway, Anderson now, according to public defenders, has announced to the world that he is non-binary. Saw that last night when that uh, word came out, and I remember that uh, political commentator Errol Lewis told the CNN anchor, essentially, well, that's, that's just prepping for fending off a hate crime charge. In fact, he said, it sounds like they're trying to prepare a defense against a hate crimes charge. That is the least of his problems, legally speaking. But that looks like they are trying to build some kind of sympathy or at least confusion on the question of whether or not this was purely motivated by hate. Interesting, by the way, that there are those on the right who are pouncing on that on social media to say, oh, oh, inside job, y'all were quick to pounce on right-wing hate, yada, yada, yada. And yet, I would say back to them, it sounds to me like you're the ones pouncing because what proof do you have? that this man, prior to this weekend shooting, had ever said to anyone that he was non-binary. In fact, locally, Channel 9 News in Colorado reports that they spoke to some former neighbors of his who were like, uh, we didn't know that. In fact, he didn't like LGBT people at all. Listen to this. A recent neighbor of the suspect says he spent hours talking to the FBI this morning. He told investigators the suspect made several hateful comments towards the LGBTQ community. Just expressed that he didn't like the LGBTQ community. And I'm pretty sure I can remember at one point he expressed that he hated the LGBTQ community. He hated gays. If I knew he was going to do what he did, I would have done something. I would have said something. Now, listen, I'm not non-binary, but that doesn't strike me as the sort of mindset of someone who is non-binary. But to the Clay Travises and the Eric Ericsons, and yes, from my hometown, Austin Rhodes, hey, buddy, I know you're listening. Thank you. Appreciate that. I got to say, seems like they got you. But even if that were the case, conservatives have another issue to wrangle with. This from the Daily Beast. In the two years before this weekend's mass shooting at a gay nightclub in Colorado Springs, Sheriff Bill Elder of surrounding El Paso County stridently opposed a 2020 red flag law that authorizes the courts to bar dangerous individuals from possessing or purchasing firearms. Elder is quoted as saying, I am exploring all available legal options and am committed to vigorously challenging the constitutionality of this law. He said that in April of 2019. I have more, though. According to The Trace at thetrace.org, of 64 counties in the state of Colorado where a state red flag law had been put in place, 
El Paso County, home to Colorado Springs, is one of at least 37 counties that have declared themselves a Second Amendment sanctuary and openly defied the state's gun laws. El Paso County's communications, El Paso County's commissioners did so in response to the state's proposed red flag law in 2019. Quote, we're not going to pursue these on our own. That, again, El Paso County Sheriff Bill Elder. That's what he said in 2019 as the law was being debated in the legislature. The trace continues, data suggests that Elder has been true to his word. In Colorado, red flag petitions can be filed by law enforcement or a family or household member. An analysis of court records by local TV station, Nine News again, got to give them credit, they're on this. They found that between January of 2020, when the law went into effect, and November 2021, which is after the bomb threat arrest that is somehow sealed, just 39 risk protection order petitions were filed in El Paso County, the most populous county in the state with more than 730,000 residents, only eight of those petitions, or 21%, were even granted. None of the approved petitions were filed by law enforcement, the Nine News analysis shows. Unlike most counties in the state, they were all initiated by family and household members. At the very least, this is shaping up to look like one of those situations where a preening politician, and let's be honest, in a lot of cases, sheriffs are politicians, was... Flexing his Second Amendment muscle and bowing up, opting not to participate in the state of Colorado's red flag laws that could have actually been put in place to prevent Anderson Lee Aldrich, or whatever his name was at the time. Actually, it was Anderson Lee Aldrich at the time. He changed his name five years ago. My apologies. Could have prevented him from purchasing the weapons he used to kill five people and injure, what, a dozen more at Club Q last weekend in Colorado Springs. And you can tell that there's heat on this sheriff and the sheriff's department because now they're not showing up to press conferences. The city of Colorado Springs Police Department has taken the lead in this investigation. We'll be keeping our eye on this. But I'll be damned if I understand the sense in law enforcement agencies or politicians who profess to love law enforcement agencies Because let's be honest, it's officers who show up to these crime scenes who, in theory anyway, put their lives on the line outside of Parkland, Florida, outside of Uvalde, Texas anyway, to confront these mass murderers with their cadre of weapons. It makes no sense whatsoever why they wouldn't embrace these red flag laws. You want crazy people not to have guns so that the not crazy people could continue to enjoy their right, right? God help me! Help me help you. Help me help you. Yes, gun owners, same gun owners. I'm trying to help you out here. <laughs> More Ron Show after this on the America One Radio app and at AmericaOneRadio.com. Our number, 404-913-2725. Back after this. Incidentally, for those who don't know, my full-time job is that I am a realtor, a real estate agent with EXP Realty. And you can dive right into the latest listings, get your home value checked out, check out open houses by visiting me at rononthereal.com. Even share some uh, blog posts that has me focusing in on the real estate industry and trends. Obviously, interest rates are climbing right now, which has a lot of folks thinking, oh, that means the market's going to go south. Mm, Atlanta's, Atlanta's a different animal. Money Magazine actually says that Atlanta is the number one place to live, the best place to live in the United States. And by 2040, there will be two and a half million more of us living in Metro Atlanta. There's like six million now. That's a big chunk of people coming 
in the next 18 years. And I know what you're thinking. Oh, 18 years, that's that's a long way from now. Do you know it was 18 years ago we were all jamming in the club to a new song called Yeah by Usher, Lil Jon, and Ludacris? Yeah. <laughs> Not all that long ago, right? Life moves pretty fast. Ferris Bueller, thank you. Currently, we are seeing mortgage interest rates at or above 7%. That's a far cry from the below 3% figures we were enjoying the last two years, but they're not all that different than what they were in 2004, 18 years ago. And by 2040, if you pull the trigger on a home purchase or a rental income investment property today, you'd be either done with it if you chose a 15-year mortgage or more than halfway through a 30-year note with equity growing by the year in a local housing market needing space for two and a half million more people by 2040. What I'm saying is what you buy now is likely going to be wildly more valuable in 2040 or even 2030. It really is good to be number one, especially if you own your own home or a rental income property or both in Metro Atlanta. Hit me up, Ron at rononthereal.com, 843-283-0078, Georgia MLS 396-720.